Tonight, uh, as we continue to, to study through this book, Spiritual Discipleship, and I know the other thing I wanted to say now, is we have extra books. You know, whoever, uh, any of you guys uh, that, are, that don't have a book and you want to purchase one, we do have books available to you. Uh, so you can see myself or George after. But tonight what we'll be covering is chapter 13 and chapter 14 of this book. Chapter 13 deals with the, the disciples' prayer life, which is a very important area, right, for all of us. The area of prayer. And, and, and chapter 14 deals with the disciples' rights. And that should be an interesting study. Um, in the area of prayer, I'll be covering the different aspects of prayer, uh, the nature of prayer, the pattern of prayer, the purpose of prayer, uh, the qualities of prayer, the empowerment of prayer, and the pitfalls of prayer. And as Christians, as, as men of God, you know, we're all called to be men of prayer, right? And, and we're, as spiritual leaders, we need to set that example of a, of a, of a, a prayer-filled Christian life to the church, set the example for our family, set the example for the community. We need to be men of prayer, and we need to set that example to the others. And, and, and they will be watching, and, and I pray that all of us would fulfill that, that calling to be men of prayer. In Luke 18.1, it says that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. So, we all know that the Christian life... You know, it's not easy, right? As, as we purpose in our lives to live a life that's according to God's will and according to God's word, this kind of living does not go unopposed, right? We have, of course, the adversary, the, the devil who walks about like a roaring lion seeking who he, who he may devour. And we have the world to contend with as well, right? The world will throw us the, 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 all the material things, all the... The, the, the things that are uh, that we tend to lust after and the thing all the sinful things it will throw that at us and we need to uh, contend with that as well and we also of course uh, have the the flesh to contend with you know which wars against the things of the spirit right um, so these are forces that make our Christian living challenging and 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 God would not call us to holy living without giving us the tools to be able to live Christian, uh, the Christian lives effectively, right? He will, He has given us the tools to be able to live effective uh, Christian lives. And that's the blessing. You know, He's given us, of course, His Word. He's given us the Holy Spirit. And He's also given us the, the means to communicate directly to Him through the avenue of prayer. And that's the awesome blessing that we're able to, to, to communicate to Him. And, and it all came back from because of the work of the cross through His Son Jesus that we now have direct access to the throne room of God. And that means we're, we're able to freely communicate and lift up our needs and our burdens. And as He promises, as we lift up our, our needs and our prayers to Him, He, he promises that He will... Uh, answer our prayers in, in His divine timing and according to His will. And that's the promise that we hang on to as we uh, uh, pray unto Him. So how should we be praying? I mean, what makes 
the man of God an effective praying vessel. You know, in Luke 11, 1, you know, we see how the disciples, won, won, they wondered about how to pray. You know, we read in Luke 11, 1, it says, Now came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he sees that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. The disciples here asked Jesus about prayer. You know, they had been accustomed to, to seeing the scribes and the Pharisees praying in, in their, 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 their repetitious or hypocritical manner. And, and now they had witnessed Jesus praying in a different way. And this opened up their hearts to want to learn how to pray as Jesus prayed. So it opened up their hearts to, 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 to want to have a desire to pray like Jesus. And in Matthew uh, chapter 6, if you want to go ahead and turn there, Matthew chapter 6, we'll be covering verses 9 through 13. Here in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, you know, we see here how the Lord responded to the disciples' question on prayer by giving them, of course, the Lord's prayer. And we'll go ahead and, and, and start in verse 9, Matthew 6. In this manner, therefore, uh, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We notice here in verse 9, that he says, In this manner, therefore pray. He did not say, pray in these words. So the Lord's Prayer was to be more, used more as a, as a pattern for prayer and not to be repeated verbatim as the Pharisees were repeating their, their, their prayers. But it was more of a pattern for the disciples on how to pray. And notice in the first part of the prayer, it involves, first of all, giving praise and honor to God and worshiping Him for who He is, and offering Him that thanksgiving that He so much deserves for what He's done for us. And then, after that, the prayers followed up by lifting up the personal petitions to Him. And this is the pattern of prayer that, you know, we all should be incorporating as we pray. And it, it happens as, you know, young Christians who have just come to the Lord, their prayers, as they pray, you know, the first thing that comes out of their mouth, of course, is their personal petitions. Lord, I need this. Lord, do this for me. Lord, you know, so it's kind of a self-centered uh, uh, a petition or prayer that it starts with. But ultimately, again, we need to follow the pattern. First of all, we need to give God the glory, give Him the praise, give Him the honor, and give Him the thanksgiving for what He's done for us. That's how we should be starting our prayers, giving Him all the glory and the praise that He so much deserves. And then we could lift up our, any, any petitions that, 
uh, we may have for him. So, what are some of the characteristics and qualities of effective prayer? Well, one of them is the disciples should be praying with authority, right? In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3, 4 says, for, we, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. So as we fight this spiritual battle, you know, we need to trust and rely on the power of prayer that God has given us through His Holy Spirit. So we need to truly believe in the power of the Holy Spirit that He is going to, first of all, lead and guide our prayers, but at the same time, that God is going to hear our prayers. And and we, we need to be mindful of that, that as we pray, we should be praying fervently using this powerful spiritual weapon to fight the battle. It, it's an ongoing battle. That means it requires ongoing praying. And praying in the Spirit and, and relying on, on that power of the Holy Spirit. You know, the author shares a poem by William Copper in, in regards to prayer. It says, Restraining prayer, we cease to fight. Prayer makes the Christian's armor bright. And Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. So, our spiritual battles are won on our knees. And that's where it all begins. And that's where it should end as well. We need to be relying on prayer for everything that we do, for everything that we decide to do in life, and for continued direction and guidance. It needs to be covered in prayer. Without prayer... You know, we're we're kind of in a vulnerable state. We're kind of in a in a place where we don't have direction, we don't have guidance, we don't have that reassurance, and we don't have the strengthening that only comes through prayer and 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 and, and the response of the Holy Spirit. You know, James five sixteen it says the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You know, and 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 the disciples in Luke ten. Uh, in verses 17, 19, they were given the, the author, authoritative healing power of prayer. You know, they had been given this authority by Jesus to be able to heal and, and deliver people uh, of, of demons. Let me read that in Luke 10, uh, verses 17, 19. It says, Then the, the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And later in Mark 9, uh, verse 29, we see how Jesus rebukes the disciples because they had lost faith in the promise of that healing power and and could not deliver the demon-possessed boy. So he kind of rebukes them because they had lost uh, their, their faith in that power. And, and, and we see that. I won't read that, but that's what happens. He, 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 they cannot heal this demon-possessed boy, and they turn to Jesus for the ultimate uh, deliverance there. So this brings another characteristic of effective prayer, and that's praying in faith. You know, And that's so important, praying fervently and aggressively, in faith in the power of Jesus Christ. 
you know, praying in faith in the power of the work at the cross. And praying with the true belief that we now have victory over the power of sin. You know, so it's praying in faith. Do we truly believe? Do we truly have faith as we're praying? Are we truly believing in the power of Jesus Christ that He's going to be able to deliver us from this situation? That He's able, going to be able to give us that, 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 that strength that we need or the answers that we need? Do we truly believe when we pray? And, and, and Lord, help us with our unbelief we, if we're praying just to go through the, going through the motions and not truly believing that He's going to truly answer our, our prayers. And that's why when we pray, we end our prayers in the name of Jesus Christ because we are praying in His name. The other thing we should be praying is audaciously, that is praying with the high expectation that God can work the impossible. And He can, right? God can heal miraculously. God can bring to pass the most unlikely and the unexpected to happen. And as we pray based on His promises, we should never limit God to work in in, in powerful and amazing ways. We should never limit God. God is all-powerful. God is all-sovereign. God is more than able to, to, to answer our prayers if that's what He wills. It's always according to His will. And we should never lose touch of that. You know, He, you know, and, and we've all have testimonies. You know, how God has intervened in every one of your lives and has delivered you in many different situations. You know, you guys have gone through trials, right? Many of you have gone through major trials. I know I have. And, and, and but it's the whole, uh, trusting and, 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 and the confidence as we pray, He is going to carry us through those trials, through those difficult seasons. Because he's, he's a loving God who cares, and He's a loving God who answers our prayer. He just wants to hear from us. In Matthew chapter 17, verses 20 and 21, we see... Jesus encouraging the disciples to ask as freely for the impossible. He's telling them, just ask. Ask. You know, it says in verses 20, 21, it says, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. The disciple needs to be praying in a diligent and in a, and in a continuous way. You know, the Word tells us to be praying without ceasing, right? It, 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 we should be praying in a way where we're, we're, we're truly relying on prayer and, and not taking breaks or not allowing other reasons not to pray. You know, the, the author mentions that we should be wrestling in prayer agonizing in prayer. This means praying fervently, diligently, and not using excuses. Like, I'm too tired. I'm sleepy. I have other things to do. My time is busy. I don't have time to pray. We need to ask, how, how are we praying? You know, are we using excuses to get in the way to hinder us 
from turning to prayer. Remember the the disciples in 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 the in the garden. You know that that night when when Jesus wanted to go off to pray on his own. What does he tell them? You, you stay awake and be praying. How many times did they fail to do that? Right, they, and and they, and they they fell asleep. You know, so let's not allow excuses. Let's not allow the fatigue factor. Let's not allow the busyness of our lives to hinder us from turning to prayer. But many times, unfortunately, we do use that as an excuse, right? What do we do? Do we, when we, we when we go, when is it when we're praying? I mean, ask. We should ask ourselves: When are we truly praying? Are we are we just praying when I'm going to go to sleep? Am I praying for that one minute or two? Am I just praying when I'm going to have a meal? We need to make it a priority and 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 reserve that special time of prayer and communicate and fellowship with our Lord. Let's not allow the cares of the world to to hinder us, you know, from doing that. And one thing we need to ask, you know, are are is my prayer longer in the church setting and very brief in our private prayer closets? Am I just praying in the church setting and not praying at all out there on our when you're on your own? There's a problem if we're just praying here in this church setting and we're not praying on our own. Ask God to reveal anything that needs to be revealed if there's room for improvement in our prayer life. And I think we all can improve in our prayer life. Because many times, unfortunately, we do neglect that area. The disciples should pray with importunity, which means being persistent in prayer regardless of not hearing any response or hearing a negative response. You know, God will always answer prayer in His timing and not ours, right? And and He His delays in, in answering prayer are not necessarily denials, right? And many times His delays are more for the purpose of working out things in our hearts and strengthening our faith in Him. But many times what happens? We lose heart, right? We lose patience. When we don't hear an answer to our prayers, we tend to lose heart and and we tend to lose hope. But again, God is working, you know, and, and His delays, He's still working in our hearts, things that need to be worked out. Maybe He wants to increase and strengthen our dependency in Him by creating these denials in, in answering our prayers. You know, many times we're not granted certain things because we do not pray and ask God for it, right? So you're not going to receive if you don't ask. In Luke 11, verses 9 and 10, it says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will happen. It will be opened. The other thing to consider is that God does not always say yes to every one of our prayers, right? We might expect Him to say yes, but many times He says no. And we need to be reminded, of course, that His ways are higher than 
than, than our ways, and, and we need to trust in His divine sovereignty that He will always work things out for our good. So when He does not answer prayer, I mean, when He says no to a certain prayer request that we may have, we need to trust that He said no for a reason, and that's for our ultimate good. And I could think of numerous times where I, I, I have uh, requested something from Him, and He's denied it, and then in retrospect, as I look back, I see the reason. I see how if He would have granted me that, that prayer request, it would have been harmful. It would have been difficult for me and my family. So we need to trust God as He denies, as He says no to prayer, we need to accept that. Because he's, he's, he's in control, he's, He knows exactly what we need. And many times, of course, what we want is, is, is goes t- totally against what He knows that we need. You know, so trust God. As He says no, it's a no for a reason. And we, we, we uh, read about Moses in his life, you know, after being in the desert for 40 years, leading these people who were always complaining, complaining, complaining. What do you think was the, the desire in his heart? That he will ultimately enter the promised land. That was his, his desire, I'm sure. And I'm sure that's what he had been praying about. But when God said no... <laughs> He still trusted God. He still accepted God's answer because he knew it was the sovereignty of God and he knew there was a reason for that. And again, we need to be reminded of that. As he says no to our prayer, for some of our prayers, there's, there's a reason for that. And we can't get bitter. You know, we can't start questioning and, and doubting God when he, he says no to our prayers. In Deuteronomy 34.4 says, Then the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. Moses accepted that. The disciples' prayer should be with the right motive. You know, James 4.3 says, You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. You know, so God knows our heart and He knows our motives as we pray. And if we're praying with the wrong motives, He will not respond favorably to our prayers. As much as we might appear and 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 and, and look all holy praying, if we're not praying with the, the right motives, with the right heart, with a sincere heart, He's not going to answer those prayers. Just goes up saying things that are not, we're, we're saying, lifting up prayers that will never be answered. So the disciples' prayer needs to be sincere and from the heart. And we cannot be like the Pharisees, right? Can't be praying in a way we're just praying with vain repetitions, with the wrong heart, just to get the attention from others. Or look, trying to look holier than, than others. So, God knows our motives. The disciples' prayer should always be in accordance to God's will and not our own will. And that's so important. You know, of course, as we pray, many times it's our will that's directing our prayers, right? But it's always should be uh, accordance to God's will. And 
in the in the in the garden prayer, uh, Jesus prayed that not my will, but the Father's will be done. Right. So we, as we pray, we should always, of course, ask that it be according to His will, not our own, and not have our own selfish motives there. In First John five fourteen, it says, "Now this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. He will hear us." If our prayers are aligned according to His will, He's going to hear us. And as we'll see later, the, the Holy Spirit does direct our prayers. In, 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 in that, and, and it also empowers uh, us as we pray. And that's another characteristic of effective prayer because we have the Holy Spirit uh, empowering, us, our, empowering us to pray in certain ways. And many times we don't know what we should be praying for, but the Holy Spirit gives us direction, right? In in Romans chapter 8, verses 26-27, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So, for those of you who feel that you know you don't know how to pray or might feel intimidated to pray for others or pray in a corporate setting, just pray that God, God's, His Holy Spirit will empower you and 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 lead and get and and, and direct your your prayers. And I'm sure we all could 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 uh, agree that you know when we first came to Christ as young believers when we first came to the Lord how was our, our prayer then it was pretty probably pretty superficial probably pretty pretty selfish and we didn't really know how to pray but over the over time as we've been walking with the Lord the Holy Spirit has been working in our hearts and 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 improving that area of prayer and now we're great prayer warriors right but it is the Holy Spirit that's empowering us. And, and, t- and many times we don't know what to pray, but the Holy Spirit will direct us on what to pray. As long as we're sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. But many times as we pray, our hearts are not prepared, our hearts have been, not been uh, ready to really receive the, the instruction of the Holy Spirit and to guide us in our prayer. Because we're allowing other stuff, all the stuff, all the junk from the outside to come in and our and it, that will affect our our effectiveness in prayer and will affect our, our our ability to really be sensitive to the Holy Spirit as as the Holy Spirit wants to do, to direct our our prayers. So again, when we pray, we need to make sure that we do it in a setting where you know there's not a lot of distraction. You want to just be in a in a, a setting where you're going to be able to pray in a way where it's going to be spirit led. Let's jump to chapter 14. Chapter 14 deals with the disciples' rights. Do we have rights, by the way, as Christians? You know, we do have rights as Christians, but there's certain behaviors and certain habits that we may have a liberty in practicing, especially if you feel you're you're a mature Christian and, and you feel that it's, it's not going to uh, hurt anybody, and, 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 and you just believe in the saying that there is freedom in Christ to do whatever you want to do. 
as long as it's permissible. But we all need to be careful. You know, we all need to be mindful of the so-called Christian liberty. You know, as, 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 as much as you could convince yourself that it's okay to practice a certain behavior and you feel that, it, that it's not going to hurt anybody and you could handle it and you're at peace with it, we can cause a devastating negative impact on others, especially young, immature Christians, as they're watching, as they're observing you, and as they're looking to you for direction, and they're following you because they, you feel you know, you're a godly example to them, we need to be careful. They certainly could be stumbled if they're seeing us do certain things, behaving certain ways, practicing certain rights that we feel we have a right to practice. They're watching. Not just uh, fellow Christians, young Christians, but also non-believers are watching. As we have practice these habits, they're, they're watching. It certainly could be a stumbling factor. For instance, maybe as a Christian you feel at liberty of drinking alcohol. Okay, so you feel you're, you're at peace with it and, and you feel it's okay. So here you are at the restaurant. You know, you're, 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 you're having your usual glass of wine or, or a beer. And you're sitting there and then here comes this young Christian who maybe just converted and maybe, you know, he does come to our church and maybe you've even been praying with and you've been mentoring and he, 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 he sees you at this restaurant and you're having this glass of wine or beer. What effect would that have on him? You know, recently converted Christian, maybe this Christian maybe just was delivered from the addiction, the sin of addiction to alcohol, and, and here you have this young Christian looking at you, observing you, drinking this. Certainly it's going to lower his, his defense the defense is to and more likely to go back to drinking because he feels it's okay. I mean, this mature Christian here is drinking. Why can't I go back to it? And so he he has that 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 risk of of returning to his previous uh, addiction. In First um, Corinthians nine, chapter nine, if you want to go ahead and turn there, First Corinthians chapter nine, verses nineteen through twenty three. Let me go ahead and read that in verse 19 through 23. For though, this is Paul. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And, and to the Jews, I, I became a, as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law, as without law, not being without law, to toward God, but an under the law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I, be, I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means have uh, save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker of it with you. 
Here Paul is expressing the fact that he practiced self-denial of many of his rights as a Christian for the sake of spreading the gospel and that men would be saved. And, and, and Paul understood, you know, that his Christian liberties, he understood them, but he chose to deny himself for winning people to Christ. So he practiced self-denial. And he was willing to give up his rights to practice those behaviors for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of people coming to Christ. In 1 Corinthians 9.12, it says, Nevertheless, we have not used this right, but endure all things, lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. So he knew very well by denying himself of certain behavior, certain habits, he would allow people and be uh, used in a way where he would win people to Christ. And his life was a living testimony. And that's the kind of life that we need to be living, a a living testimony to others. And so we do need to be careful. You know, as men of God, an important part of our calling is to live by godly example and live a life that is blameless and above reproach. And... Our lives need to be living testimonies for others to see Christ in us. And the last thing we want to do is continue to practice certain habits or behaviors that we know very well would make immature Christians stumble or even stumble non-believers who may be contemplating on coming to Christ. We need to be careful in the way we live. And ultimately, of course, it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit that needs to convict you in those areas. But we have a responsibility, and we need to be considerate for others as they observe us, as they look to us for example, for godly example. We can't allow these behaviors, these habits, to stumble others. You know, we're all a new creation, and we we now walk in, in victory over the bondage of sin. That's a blessing. But why would we even allow ourselves to hold on to certain practices that are are of the world that can be a hindrance to others from coming to Christ? And the last thing we want to do, of course, is contribute to the backsliding of other Christians. You know, there's freedom in Christ, and 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 we feel we you know we have rights as Christians, but it does require responsibility in the way we live, and we do not want to stumble others by our so-called Christian liberties. You know, Oswald Chambers, in discussing the rights of Christians, stated the only right a Christian has is the right to give up his rights. You know, if we are To be the best for God, there must be victory in the realm of legitimate desire as well as in the realm of unlawful indulgence. That's a, that's an awesome quote, you know, and it tells it the way it is. We need to hear it, you know, the author gives an example of a person, let's say, you know, you, you, you going into a bus, you, you purchase your ticket to get in the bus. To get, and that gives you the right to have a seat, and you're entitled to that seat. Legitimately, that's your seat. But, and you have a right, of course, to hold on to that seat. 
But if, if, a, if this mother comes in holding groceries and, and, and carrying his, her kids, comes into the bus, you know, you have the right to also give up that right of that seat for, for, your, for this lady, and you also have the right to say no. Which way are we going to likely go? Same thing goes again as we live our Christian lives. We need to be careful as we uh, purpose to hold on to certain rights that we say, it's my right to live this way. I have a right to practice this way. I have a right to, to have this behavior. And you choose that direction at the expense of the salvation of others. It's, it's a balance and it's a thing that we need to just do, ask the Lord, you know, to show us if there's anything that we're doing in, in the way we're living, if it's uh, going against glorifying Him and if it's going against the work of the Lord that He's trying to do in, in other people. We don't want to be stumbling blocks for others. You know, Paul, in addressing his, his restraints on physical and sexual desires in 1 Corinthians 6.12, he said, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And in 1 Corinthians 10, verses 23-24, this says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. So, you know, there's certain things that we do, even though they are permissible in the world's eyes, if it's not going to edify, be edifying to others, then don't do it. You know, if it's going to stumble people, if it's going to get in the way of, of, of others as they grow spiritually, and you're going to be a stumbling block, don't do that. Why do it? You know, and Paul had purpose in his heart that even though certain things were lawful to do, he was not going to perform them if it was not going to glorify God. And that's the attitude that we need to be living with. Is this behavior going to glorify God or not? Is this thing that I'm, I'm purposed to continue doing, because it's my right, is it ultimately going to glorify God or not? And that's a good attitude to have. And... And we, of course, need to pray that we, we, the things we do are aligned to His will. So we must follow the example of Christ. You know, He gave up His rights ultimately for the purpose of glorifying God, right? And in Philippians 2.5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So if our Lord Jesus gave up his rights as God, who are we to refuse to give up our rights as Christians for the sake of the gospel? Let's follow the example of Christ. You know, as we read as we read in First Corinthians chapter nine, verses nineteen twenty three, we saw Paul's heart, who had a desire to become a servant to all men and was willing to give up whatever he had to to do to help them spiritually. So we need to be willing to give up our own hang-ups, our own 
racial stereotypes that might be hindering us from reaching out to certain groups, certain people. You know, maybe you've refused to reach out to the homeless. Maybe you have a fear of maybe getting an infection from these homeless people or or getting dirty, and and you've chosen that you're not going to reach out to this group of people because of your own hang-ups or fears. Maybe it's 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 a maybe it's a drunkard that's been out in the neighborhood and he's been a nuisance, and you may you've just made made up your mind. I'm not even going to talk to this guy. He's just he's always bothering people, and you're not going to lower yourself to to him because you don't feel it's worth it, and so you refuse to reach out to him. We need to be careful, you know, as 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 and don't allow our own fears. Or, or worries or our, our own stereotypes to to get in the way of reaching out to people. Even in the ministry, you know, the Apostle Paul, he renounced his apostolic right to be fully supported by the churches. He chose to have his trade, you know, he's a tent maker. He didn't want to be uh, financially obligated to, to churches who would who would support him because he knew potentially there might be problems in that. And, and, and so he, he chose to, to work and to, earn and, and to earn his living and not be totally dependent on the churches. I mean, it is a blessing, you know, and, and, and Pastor Richard, he, he mentioned that, he shared that this Sunday. It, it's a blessing, you know, when we first started with the church here in Monrovia, you know, he didn't have a salary. He was too, we were just trying to start a work. And and he wasn't getting paid, but as 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 God started blessing the church, as the growth started coming, yeah, it is a blessing to be able to to allow our pastor to have a salary, so he could focus his time on the study of God's word and prepare as he ministers to the church. And that's God blessing the church, and that's that is a blessing, you know. So. Here Paul was just, you know, again, he, he saw there was a problem, I guess, with the different churches, and he didn't want to be fully dependent on them because financially. Um, he also renounced his appetite for certain foods, and he didn't want to stumble others, you know, eating meat, sacrificed to idols. You know, we as far as in the area of marriage, we, we're not sure if he was married, but we, it probably he was married, but we're not sure if, if, if his wife either had died or, or had refused to follow or, or just did not convert as, as Paul converted. But in his mind, in the ministry as he went on in his journeys, you know, he felt, you know, that he could fully devote his time and energies uh, as, as being single like that and, and fully focus on what God had for him. So even in, in the ministry, we need to uh, look at those things. There's, you know, there's rights... That, that Paul gave up for the ministry with the intention on ultimately not stumbling others and being effective in spreading the gospel and helping as many to come to Christ. That was the heart of Paul. And as we serve our Lord, you know, I pray that, that we too would have a, the heart of Paul willing to give up our rights and our privileges for the sake of spreading the gospel and helping others come to Christ. To Christ, you know, we should be willing to give up our rights. And 
you know, God, God of course is merciful and is great, he's gracious and he, he's patient with us as we hang on to some of those rights and habits and for our own selfish reasons. But ask the Lord, ask the Lord to reveal again, is the way I'm living, is it a way that's pleasing to him? Is it a way that is being in accordance to his will? And is there anything that I'm doing in the way I'm living? Is it in any way going to be a stumbling block to others who are watching, whether it be young Christians or whether it be non-believers? We want to be living in a way, again, that's blameless, above reproach, in a way that fully is in accordance to the way God calls us to live. Right? Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you that you are a God who is gracious with us, who is merciful with us, who is patient with us. And we thank you that you have allowed us to have this avenue of communicating to you in a direct way through the means of prayer. Lord, we thank you that you do allow us to lift up our burdens to you, our needs, our concerns, our hurts through prayer, and we thank you that you're a God who does hear us. We thank you that you've allowed your Holy Spirit to empower our area of prayer as we we pray. We know that your Holy Spirit will lead and direct. And we thank you that, that you are a God who continues just to improve our area of prayer, Lord. We thank you that you've done a work on all the men here tonight as they've been walking with you, and you are doing a work and, and especially in the area of prayer that's so vital as Christians that we need to be uh, diligent in, in using that, that, that privilege and using that, that weapon that you've given us to continue fighting this battle. Lord, help us not to be negligent in that area. Help us to be faithful in setting that time aside in the day, whatever time that we're able to fully focus ourselves in you and and to hear from you and to fellowship with you and to commune with you in an in a way that that is pleasing to you lord we thank you that you have also given us the holy spirit to convict us in the way we live our christian lives help us speak to us speak to our hearts and lead and direct us in those areas that that we need to be doing away with lord those practices, those behaviors, those habits that we are still, uh, 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 you know, doing that are ultimately going to be a stumbling block for those who are watching, Lord. So help us to live that life that's, that's holy and above reproach and blameless, Lord, and help us just to be setting that example for others. Help us to have that heart of Paul that he was willing to give up his rights to for the, ultimately for the sake of having people come to Christ and, and spreading the gospel. Give us that heart, Lord, of Paul. And give us that, 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 that desire to, 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 to reach out to whoever you bring in our path, Lord. Don't allow our, 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 our humanness uh, uh, to, to get in the way or, 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 or any, any, any things that are hang-ups that we may have. Uh, Remove those things, Lord, and, and, and allow us to just to be used uh, as your vessels in whatever area to minister to whoever. Help us just to be 
there for all men, Lord, to, to allow them to come to a saving faith in you. In Jesus' name.